If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Today, we're going to be talking about whether sex is a need or a want. I addressed this in a video that was popular, and uh, hopefully you follow me on TikTok, on Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube, wherever. There's like four options to see my videos, which often, um, you know, are what I later do as a podcast, because I do them on the same day, and the podcasts come out later. So if you want to really get the scoop on what's coming down the pike, or if you're just a video kind of person you should be following me on social media and please do subscribe because I have a lot of great subscriber episodes most recently it was about um, generalization and when people say all men are one way or all women are another way how does this help you to form intimate relationships uh, it doesn't spoiler it hurts your ability to engage meaningfully with the opposite sex so getting to the topic at hand um, is sex a need or a want? So a lot of times people will say, the lower libido partner in couples counseling will say, well, he says that he needs sex, but sex isn't a need. Sex isn't like food on water. It's dramatic. He's being dramatic, you know, um, and it isn't a need. And if anything, maybe having an orgasm maybe is a need, maybe physical release, which he could certainly do with masturbating. So I don't really understand. I'm very stressed out. I have a million things to do. I don't feel well a lot of the time. And so this is not a need. It's just a want. And you know what? I want a lot of things I don't have also. That's called being a grown-up and that is what it is. Does that sound familiar? If so, then you're likely in that sort of dynamic. Um, so here's the thing, though. People will, like, do that whole thing. Sounds pretty good. You know, it sounds like it makes sense philosophically and everything. Then, like, later in some session, they'll be like, you know, and I really need my morning coffee <laughs> or we really need a bigger house or I really need to get this presentation perfect for my job or we really need to put the kids to bed at 8.30 instead of 8.45 or whatever, right? And like, I'm not judging any of that shit, right? Like, I feel like I need to have my smoothie every day in the morning. Like, but nobody really needs any of that shit. Those are called first world problems. So unless you are truly struggling to obtain food, water, or shelter, then we are not on the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy anymore. And probably neither of you need anything that you don't have in any sort of survivor type of sense. You know, like you could survive. Most most people can survive like uh, for sure, you know, like there's there's absolutely no possibility that at any moment you're going to starve or you're going to die of thirst or you're going to be exposed to the elements and, you know, die of hypothermia. People are doing their Zoom sessions from really lovely houses. <laughs> Everything's going well in those domains. So basically, at that point, your life becomes about wants. 
you know, and you want, let's say, to read to your children every night. You certainly don't need to. Um, you, you would quickly change your priorities if your children were hungry. Your ass would not be reading to them. It would be trying to find them food, right? So it, it basically we live in a world, most people that are listening to this or listening to it on their devices or on their computers and therefore definitionally have disposable income. And so nobody is, is out, you know, surviving in the wild. So therefore, this is kind of just another way to be diminishing and dismissive about what makes somebody tick and what they really need, yes, need, in an intimate relationship to be happy. So they don't need it to survive. The people live long lives in sexless marriages, long, unhappy lives in sexless marriages. They're not going to die. You're right. You're 100% right. Your husband's not going to die if you don't have sex with him. No way. He's going to live. <laughs> he's definitely going to live. But he's going to be really unhappy. You know, and just as you would be unhappy if you had to live in a bare bones hut of some sort with no internet and, and barely any electricity, no running water, would you survive? Sure, you would survive. Would you be happy? No. So what we want to do is to get to a place where people enjoy their lives. So if you have ever said you need anything that you don't need like food and water, then you could certainly understand what your partner, often the man in this situation, says when they say that they need sex or they, they're barely have the confidence to say that anymore. They'll, they'll barely even ever say that, but some few valiant ones still do call it a need. And, um, and then they get shit on for it. And so I'm trying to explain that, yeah, it's a need, just like having a romantic date is a need. Just like, like women will, will very much say, I need to have an emotional connection. But him saying, I need to have sex, is considered bad. That doesn't make any sense. That's very, very biased. It's biased toward the idea that emotions and emotional disclosure is a, is a more basic need than sex, which is truly preposterous if you look at it, because the, our species does not uh, perpetuate itself through emotional conversations. So it, friendship, for example, does not perpetuate our species but sex does. So, so would you ever say to somebody they don't need to have any friends? No. Then you shouldn't say to anybody they don't need to have sex in marriage. Because, and this is what it's usually predicated on, sex does not mean ejaculation. It does not mean orgasm. It really doesn't. That is not what perpetuates our species. If people thought that perpetuating our species was done by jacking off, we would have died millennia ago, right? So it, it's, it's sex between two people has perpetuated our species. So even if by now you have the IUD and he has a vasectomy and everybody's all, all you know, uh, fine in the birth control department and thus you cannot perpetuate the species, the drive doesn't go away. It's like old people, right? They, they can't be useful in any sort of sense to perpetuate the species, but they don't stop getting hungry, you know? Like if everything was literally only about perpetuating the species, then after women went through menopause, they would promptly, you know, just die, you know, and, or stop eating and just like waste away. They don't because everything isn't about that. But we still do have the same drives like hunger, like sex, like, uh, you know, everything, like to get into a warm place out of the rain. Like we have all of those drives, even if they're not about to kill us. People get hungry even before they are about to starve to death, 
Obviously, all of us get hungry multiple times a day, and nobody listening is on the precipice of starvation, I doubt. Otherwise, please, stop listening to the podcast and go find yourself something to eat. So the point is that you want to really look at whether your, your interactions with a significant other are characterized by various levels of philosophical one-upmanship and um, telling each other what should be a need or what shouldn't, or what is more important on one end than on the other, or that one of you understands life and is deeper than the other one and one is more shallow. This sort of shit is like, you know, very, very toxic. And I talk about this in my marital scorekeeping podcast. So to say to somebody basically like sex isn't a need, so therefore you don't need it and I shouldn't have to do anything I don't want to do is just a way of saying, fuck you. You know, I'm not into this marriage. Your your opinion is not important to me and I don't really care what you want. So I'm going to frame it a little bit better. But in reality, I'm just saying I don't give a shit. It would be the same as if a guy tried to tell me, well, it's not a need for me to talk to her um, when he comes when I come through the door. Uh, That's not a need. So I should just be able to immediately upon coming home from work, I should go to the basement, maybe put on a game, maybe put on some porn. Uh, She could leave dinner by the stairs. And uh, I did my duty. I provided for the family. I made money. Goes right into her account. So therefore, what does she need to talk to me for? I would say, what kind of asshole are you? You know, like, of course, she needs to talk to you in a relationship. And whether that's need or want is is immaterial because it feels so bad when she doesn't get to talk to you and you just hide out in your cave that it, it feels like a need. Things are very subjective. If your basic needs are met, then the other needs become more salient, which is the entire point of Maslow's hierarchy. So you can Google if if anybody doesn't know that pyramid shape, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, then Google it, right? But the, the point is that woman needs to feel like she's talking to her husband. And the man who says that sex is a need needs to feel physically and intimately connected with his wife. So that feels like a need. Like for a baby, it really is a need to be touched. Babies have failure to thrive in orphanages and places where they don't get touched and they don't get interacted with, you know? And so a baby needs to be held. And similarly, adults need to be held. The ones that remain wanting to be held, still feel it as a need, the same as a baby does. They just are wired to still feel like that, you know? And it would be a much interest, uh, a much more interesting way to think about it is kind of what has happened to the other people that don't have a touch need. Frequently, there's a trauma history. And I don't mean it like just it has to be physical or sexual trauma, like abuse, but there can be like a lot of kind of being pushed away. So more avoidant people that don't don't have the the need for touch, what diverted them from having that, you know? Frequently, it's an upbringing in which they were constantly told, go play, go deal with your own stuff, I'm busy, go away, go away, go away. So they learn to stop having the need for touch that maybe they had as a baby, you know? So a lot, so, so while, of course, there's a normal distribution of anything and sensory issues and all sorts of stuff, there are some people that would have had a physical touch need, you know, but they just didn't have parents who could give that to them and so they learn to like completely deny it and then when a partner has it they are mad because on some deep level they wish that they could ask for their physical needs to be met or their needs to be close and they can't 
And they were basically told that they couldn't all throughout their lives until they started to believe that every man is an island and everybody should look out for themselves. And this is frequently underlying a lot of the animosity in these situations is that the partner that says, listen, sex isn't a need, calm down, go take care of yourself, be a grown up. They've been told all of those same things themselves throughout childhood. You know, they were basically told you're not allowed to have any needs. Um, go take care of your own shit. I'm busy. I have enough on my plate, whether implicitly or explicitly. So then later in life, when a partner asks for their needs to be met, they get very enraged without knowing why. You know, they're like, why, why does this person have the audacity, you know, have the selfishness to ask for their needs to be met? I knew from the time I was four years old that my needs wouldn't get met. What happened to this person that they're such a big baby and they still think that their needs should be met? So that's like a lot of what goes on with more avoidant spouses is they've been trained to deny their own needs because their needs were taught to be bad and not meetable by parents who may have had good intentions but had their own problems to deal with that led them to be emotionally unavailable to their kids. And of course, in some situations, there is outright abuse and neglect and trauma. But either way, you know, if you're in this situation where sex isn't a need, you know, you really have to make it clear to your spouse that nothing they want is a need either. And that marriage is not an episode of Survivor. And, there, and you also wouldn't say to your kids, well, you don't really need to eat three times a day because you would survive eating one time a day. Look at those kids, you know, that are starving in a different country. You think they eat three meals a day? No, and they're alive. So you would never say that, you know, and you wouldn't say it to each other about eating even something as truly um, extra as like going to the gym five days a week or something, you know, like nobody would barely ever say to their spouse, go to the gym one day less per week, please, because that would be thought to be a basic need for physical fitness. Yet sex isn't. It doesn't make any sense. So it, it always speaks to deeper underlying issues about what need means. And one person's discomfort with the idea of need at all is, is usually a major player in these arguments. And this is, again, a great thing to discuss in couples counseling. If there is this rhetoric around whether sex is a need or a want and a discomfort around needs in general, then this is a wonderful thing to discuss in couples counseling. This can be very, very productive use of time because d different philosophies on these matters can really lead to a lot of problems and can be, you know, potentially an area where you could grow closer and get to some sort of middle ground particularly if the person who is averse to any needs uh, goes to individual counseling and works through unresolved issues from childhood where they were taught to disavow any needs because that is frequently at the root of this. All right, hopefully you found this useful. Please do subscribe. Um, if any of when I say avoidant and preoccupied and things, go back to my original podcast on attachment style. That could be very useful for an overview if uh, sometimes you feel like you missed a lesson. Well, some of the lessons are earlier on. So the attachment style one was earlier on. All right, I'll talk to you all soon. Have a great day, guys.